This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evenings on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Matt and Patrick here today. Uh, four o'clock hours jam-packed. I got Rick Smith in here to talk about the Teamsters story as well as uh, the uh, another police endorsement for Trump. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a comedian, Robert Burrill, will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Patrick, how are we today? Uh, doing pretty well. How are you? Uh, it's 50-some degrees in Minneapolis, St. Paul uh, in February. To say it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's it's horribly wrong. You know, that's for sure. But at the same time, you know, getting out, you know, you know it doesn't do any good to sit down and doom and gloom in your house. So you get out and enjoy it. But it is still... It is. It is a little bit odd to say the least. Um, and what's going? We're going to hit sixty next week. Yeah. Don't tell me the planet's not broken. Don't. <laughs> yeah, we broke it, and we broke it good. They're saying. Did you see the story about hurricane season? It might be two months earlier than it's traditionally been. That's nice. I bet. I bet that just when you were looking for a reason to to not think Florida was the best place to live. Oh, there you go. We'll scour it clean at two months earlier. 952-946-6205, I can't. This hour is going to get dark. But I, here's what I promise. I'm going to start off with a little lightness. The end of it's going to be light and somewhat hilarious. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, just uh, FYI, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, – it's, it's, go- it's going to go into some, some realms, um, yeah, that are – yeah, you know, dark to say this. Um, 952-946-6205. So, CPAC. Let's start with there. The, um, <laughs> of course, CPAC's going on. And this is the, the, the how crazy to the far right you can be. And one of the things which is amazing is the merchandise that's available at CPAC. And the guys at Raw Story did a story here. If you've got money, you will not believe what you'll be able to buy. Uh, images from attendees of CPAC for, uh, where Donald Trump, the host of the Republican politicians, right-wing media celebrities, foreign leaders, and conspiracy theorists are set to uh, appear. Hit social media with a bang this week. They announced uh, propagandist news outlets such as MSNBC would not be credentialed and therefore be forced to purchase tickets. Uh, Raw Story is in attendance. CPAC used to have overflow rooms, note, Noted one such reporter with videos of row, uh, a video of rows and rows of empty seats. Anyway, I guess this is why they decided to yank the media badge and demand money from me. Perhaps the crowds can uh, hit the shop. So here's what they have found. They have found the January 6th pinball machine. Joke you not. More than 12, 1,265 people have been charged with criminal offenses after angry rioters stormed the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to disrupt the peaceful transfer of power. 
uh, according to the Justice Department, the loss is suffered because the uh, the siege of the estimated roughly $2.9 million uh, cost us. Among those facing charges is the former president who said the victim of a political witch hunt. Um, you basically... Uh, so what you do is you basically accuse it of stealing your quarters and smash it and cry you're being persecuted when you're hauled out of the arena. There, <laughs> That's not bad. I like that. Well done. Um, the $20 shirt featuring Joe Biden and son Hunter with Hitler mustaches and a message got corruption. Do you think that Hitler's biggest problem, that he was slightly corrupt? I mean, I you know, I got news for you. Hitler is a lot worse. Uh, and plus the fact that if you don't like Hitler, <laughs> I got a surprise about some of the references that Trump's been putting out there. Yeah, indeed. You know, Mein Kampf, indeed. Um, a key witness in Representative James Comer's and Jim Jordan's impeachment probe was recently indicted on charges. He lied about Biden and his son, Hunter, each accepting $5 million bribes. Prosecutors contend... FBI informant Alexander Smirnov has ties to the Russian intelligence. The news broke after Biden was cleared of classified document uh, retention probe. Uh, right-wingers, Biden is weak and senile, so he's a powerful, strong man seeking world domination. So, yeah, that's good. It is, what, what is it? Can you guys on the right get in a lane on Biden? Is it that he's a feeble old man that basically can barely do anything? Or is it he's a world, you know, a world-to-be-feared tyrant? That is, yeah, because uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, no, it, you can't do both. But I guess, I mean, that's, that's a logic problem. Am I expecting too much from the MAGA people? Yeah, a logic problem. Yeah, that's not going to work. Bottled woke tears. <laughs> uh, the bottles, though, are not thought to be create, uh, you know, uh, uh, real tears, a la Harry Potter. Um, the bottom cut. Kind of, the Biden economy is so good, people can afford this, apparently. <laughs> of course, one of the long-time, long-time things is nutritional supplements, which, have you seen most of the MAGA people? Nutrition doesn't seem to be something that's really on their horizon or effective money management. I mean, let's just be honest about it. The RNC bitter raw apricot seeds have been flagged by the Food and Drug Administration, which told the company in February 2021, your products are not generally recognized as safe and effective. Nothing like adding a little cyanide to your diet for health benefits. From the same people that told you to take that veterinary medicine for horse deworming and jam it up your caboose to stop COVID. And it's like, when did you go to a frat house hospital? Dead, dead, dead. Here's the deal. You got cancer, but we're going to have you. We're going to do some beer pong. And if you chug the beer, you're not going to have cancer anymore. Ha, ah, yeah. Why did I not think about this before? It's Frat Boy Hospital. Dead, 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 dead. You want to you wanna, you wanna cure your diabetes? Lick this. Lick this. Put your, put your tongue on it. I'll give you five bucks. You put your tongue on it. Yeah, he <laughs> did it, man. Now you don't have diabetes. And if anyone says you do, they're, they're just lying. Oh, uh, yeah. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So, okay, I got a little light and airy, a little easy going to begin with. Let's dive into the seventh circle of hell, namely Alabama. Another Alabama fertility clinic has stopped in vitro fertilization treatments after the Alabama Supreme Court ruled on Friday that frozen embryos are <clears throat> children. 
frozen embryos. The, the Bomb Pop Jr. over there is a human being. Yeah. We have made the impossibility difficult, impossibly difficult decision to hold new IVF treatments, uh, put them on hold due to the legal risk to our clinic and our embryologists. Alabama fertility specialist wrote on Facebook on Thursday, we are contracting, contacting uh, patients that will be affected today and to find solutions for them, working as hard as we can to alert our legislators to the far-reaching negative impact of this ruling on the women of Alabama at a time when we feel so powerless, advocacy and awareness is our strongest tools. Now, I want to make sure we understand something. This is stopping in vitro fertilization is not even a mainstream Republican thing. This is from the realms, from the catacombs of the Spanish Inquisition worshiping extreme far-right religious zealotry that exists wrapped in a warm blanket within the Republican Party. I have had multiple friends use in vitro fertilization to conceive children and they've all had success, which has been wonderful with the concept, with the idea being that you want to create a baby, a human life, not the bomb pop there that you're calling human life. This is, should be terrifying to you if you are, particularly if you're a woman, because they're basically saying they can come in and tell you everything they want to do. And if you can't take the hint here about where this is all going, I can't help you. Alabama Fertility Specialist is the second fertility clinic to halt IVF treatments since the state Supreme Court ruling the health system of the University of Alabama Birmingham halted treatment on Wednesday. Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, campaign manager Julie Chavez Rodriguez said in a statement shared Thursday that the Alabama Supreme Court decision is only possible because of the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade across the nation. And, and he's, he's right. Across the nation, MAGA Republicans are inserting themselves into the most personal decisions a family can make from contraception to IVF. The statement read, with their latest attack on reproductive freedom, these so-called pro-life Republicans are preventing loving couples from growing their families. If Donald Trump is elected, there's no doubt that he'll impose the extreme anti-freedom agenda on the entire country. And that's the whole goal. That is the whole goal. Now, once again, I want to make sure we understand where this comes from. It does. This is not a traditional mainstream Republican thing. But because the Republican Party has become so betrothed to the extreme far right of the party, they can't get out of their own way anymore and so are just going along with this. Even though, if you think to yourself, oh, this is, isn't this kind of the Republican's dream? People that want to have kids getting kids? This is kind of what it is? And... That point about making this everywhere, I think you cannot escape this. That's not an exaggeration. This small minority of people want to force everyone. Nothing gets them more jollies than the idea of going into Chicago or Minneapolis-St. Paul or liberal Illinois or liberal Minnesota 
enforcing an Alabama court decision on them. That is what they dream of. And you see what's going on with the Republican Party that, I, I mean, you can't even call them moderate Republicans. The Republicans, which are moderate today, would be middle of the road to conservative Republicans 30 years ago. And they're all running away because they see where this is going, that you have to embrace this extremism. And they don't want anything for it because they know they can't win. They've created a no-win situation for Republicans, especially in any district that's say plus 5R. And this is not just for toss-up districts. These kind of issues are absolutely devastating for Republicans when it comes to trying to run in districts where there's some bit of, of a moderate, moderate voter base. And they know this. And see, this is the point. This is who the Republicans are now. They know they're falling out of favor. They know that they are extremists, that they're a small minority of the population. But what they also know is that they have one chance here in this November to basically take control and force their will on others and end democracies and elections. And that is where this is going. That's not that's not an exaggeration. This is what the Republicans, Trump Republicans want to do is end democracy as a whole. More on this when I come back. It's the Matt McNeil show. It is the Matt McNeil show here on your Thursday, 952-946-6205. By the way, Happy Dina Winter, who could be the greatest journalist in America right now. And I'm dead serious when I say that. Dina Winter of the Minnesota Reformer is going to join us to talk about Mike Lindell here in just about 30 minutes. Uh, 952-946-6205. Hey, back to the seventh circle of hell, a.k.a. Alabama. Um, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled the frozen embryos are children after three couples sued an Alabama fertility clinic for wrongful death in 2020 after a hospital patient assessed their embryos and dropped them on the ground, and they were destroyed. The judge first dismissed the lawsuit, but then the state Supreme Court reversed the decision. So basically, you do have a case here where some patient basically goes in and screws up and, and drops a test tube and it was someplace they shouldn't be, and that's just that. But what they've done now is they say those frozen embryos were human beings, Frozen embryos, human beings. And henceforth, this guy is going to be charged with murder, which then brings up, and this is why the in vitro fertilization clinics are closing, is because obviously you could have just a staff member accidentally drop a test tube, and guess what? That they could be charged with murder in the state of Alabama. So I hope that these, what I'm going to presume are far-right Christian zealot parents that sued to about this i hope they're happy because they just stopped families from being grown in alabama via in vitro fertilization because there's no chance in hell that anyone in that state's going to do this project prospect now and you're going to have to leave the state to get it done the wrongful death of a minor is sweeping and unqualified. It applies to all children born and unborn without limitation. The ruling said it's not the role of the court to craft a new limitation based on our own view of what is to not wise public policy. This is especially true 
whereas here the people of the state have adopted a constitutional amendment directly aimed at stopping courts from excluding unborn life from legal protection. A frozen embryo. IVF, which is the process which uses patient's eggs, which are fertilized with sperm outside the body and then implanted into the patient's uterus, is at the center of the abortion debate because parent, patient only needs one egg to become pregnant. Many times leftover eggs are discarded, leading the anti-abortion activists to believe that's murder. And once again, we are not talking about something that is, this is a 5% of the population extremist religious you know, handmail maiden's tale looks like it's it, 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 the way we should go kind of mentality. And it's it, it should be terrifying to you that this is where they're at. Now, once again, it's time for my soon to be. Well, it's now it is a recurring segment. Hey, folks of Alabama. Have you thought about Illinois? Have you thought about Minnesota? You're welcome in both states. And guess what? We're not controlled by absolute freaking loon balls. So, hey. Pick up your gear. Move up here. We'd love to have you here. Say, it's what we like to do. Indeed. Indeed. It's time to move. The unfortunate thing is people who are lower middle class, poor, who can't afford to move are subjected to this totalitarian theocracy. And theocracy is going to be a theme today during this dark segment here. Now, I want to make sure I mention something that the Times brought up about the Chief Justice Tom Parker down in Alabama. above himself. In an Alabama Supreme Court decision that's rattled reproductive medicine across the country, a majority of the justices say the law was clear that frozen embryos should be considered kids. Unborn children are children. Once again, a frozen embryo is a human being to these people. The court's chief justice, Tom Parker, drew on more than the Constitution and legal precedent to explain his determination. Now, I'm going to do this in the most stupid-sounding accent I could possibly do. Alabama. Now, 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 now. Human life cannot be wrongfully destroyed without incurring the wrath of a holy God, he wrote in the concurring opinion to, that invoked the book of Genesis and the prophet Jeremiah and quoted at length from the writings of the 16th and century, 17th century theologians. Even before birth, he added, all human beings have the image of God and their lives cannot be destroyed without effacing his glory. This is the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court throwing out the Bible or throwing out the law and putting his Bible in its place and saying, this is what the rule is. This is now a theocracy. It's a theocracy. And that is, it, that it's just that simple. The definition of theocracy, a system of government which priests rule in the name of God or a God uh, or a God. That's where we're at. And the funny thing about theocracy is it generally has nothing to do with with the actual religion, but the people who are interpreting that religion. And that's where we're at. That is where we are at. A theocracy in Alabama. A theocracy. Not a democracy. No, it's not a democracy. And I'm sure the theocrats in Alabama 
will scream at the top of their lungs, no, this is still a democracy. This is just the consequences of democracy. No, you've, you've, you've put aside the law books, Chief Justice you know, Foghorn, and you have instead gone with the Bible, which, by the way, if I could point out, Exodus does say uh, that you know, a fetus is less important than the woman. So he, he, the, the, the gods rather said that in, in Exodus, they say the fetus is less important than the woman. That's in, that's in Exodus. And that would mean the woman is more important. So that doesn't pan out to your worldview. Numbers actually, once again, uh, has an abortion in it where you have a magical drinking concoction that creates an apparent abortion, which I guess was okay. As long as it's an abortion of a woman who slept out of marriage eh, numbers, it's a, it's kind of a goofy book. And of course, Jesus himself praised in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John women for making independent independent choices multiple times, multiple times. But no, you see, is my version of religion is not their version of religion. And their version of religion is meant to be imposed and forced on everyone else. And that's something that you have to put forward. Javier is in Minneapolis, 952-946-6205. Welcome on in, sir. So the best way to get this to be readjusted is to move to Alabama, take 300 eggs or embryos or whatever you're calling it, and then claim them as dependents on your taxes. And then once you claim them as dependents on your taxes and you're going to get all this money back, oh, I'm sure they'll be up in arms about what a dependent really is. Javier, you know, you're, you're exactly right. Thank you, Javier. And as a matter of fact, I can point that out. I've been always waited for someone to basically sue a state and say, and, and what the argument is, well, I wanted to have an abortion. The state said I had to have this child. So I would like for the state to help raise the child. And I think at some point we might actually get that case. And if that was the case, all of a sudden abortion would be legal everywhere because at the, at the end of the day, even though these theocrats are running Alabama, they're still betrothed to money and money is the most important thing to them. But Hey, they're making money as theocrats. That's what they're doing. Uh, I'll tell you what. We'll take a break. Come on back. You ready for more darkness? Well, just wait till we return. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show, broadcasting in the evening in WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Good to have you with us today. 952-946-6205. Hello, darkness, my old friend. So we have the case in Alabama where they have once again insisted a frozen embryo is a human being. Yeah. <laughs> They basically have stopped all in vitro fertilization in Alabama that people there, you know, like I said, you create a rule where basically someone accidentally drops a test tube or a power outage. I mean, say there's a power outage for an extended period of time and all of a sudden the refrigerators, they, they warm up and, you know, you are, are you going to charge the power company with a million counts of, 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 of murder? Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to? Charge, uh, you know, uh, you know, the the hospital for, I guess, not having a backup to the backup generation generator. It it's terrifying to to, to think about this. It's terrifying to think where that's going to go. And once again, this is not even mainstream Republican policy. 
This tells you how far into the seventh circle of hell that Alabama has fallen. This is that policy from that small group of extreme far-right religious zealots that think the handmaid's tale is is should be actual reality, that women should be strapped down to a bed for nine months if they dare think of that they might actually go to a different state and might actually get an abortion or something like that. That is where this is from, and they want to export this elsewhere. It's a theocracy. And once again, just because it might not make any sense to you because, well, that doesn't sound like anything in the Bible I've ever heard, it doesn't matter. Theocracies are built on zealots with their own interpretation of God. And that's what you're seeing down there. And they want to force that on everyone in Minnesota and everyone in Illinois. That's what they want to do. More proof. Oklahoma City. A 16-year-old Oklahoma high school student who died a day after an altercation. Now, I want to, by the way, I want to preface this. It's going to sound like something has been, you know, investigated and figured out. It hasn't. This is at this first paragraph. This is the Oklahoma. This is the Oklahoma Police Department. This whatever one this was at, immediately coming up here to immediately run cover for the bullies that killed this kid. Because yeah, a 16-year-old Oklahoma high school student who died a day after an altercation in a school restroom may have been prompted by bullying over gender identity did not die as a result of injury sustains in the fight, said the police on Wednesday. Now, once again, that's what they're saying, even though that is literally pulled out of their caboose. Police in the suburban Tulsa community of Owasso are investigating the death of a 16-year-old, Nex Benedict, whose family said identified as non-binary and used they-them pronouns. Although the cause of death has not been determined, once again, yet the police have said, oh, he didn't die this way, or they didn't die this way, they basically determined, oh, well, this is, he didn't die, they didn't die, they didn't die because of the bullying or the attack. They died of something else, even though the cause of death has not been determined. Owasa police said in a statement, preliminary autopsy results indicate the teen did not die as a result of injuries sustained in the fight. At this time, any further comments to the cause of death are currently pending until toxicology reports and other ancillary testing results are received. I think that right now, within a doubt in my mind, their autopsy is being micromanaged down to the point where they're telling the coroner, if you can find anything else to blame but the attack, blame it. We do not want to have to prosecute people for attacking someone we think is horrible because that is the Oklahoma mentality right now. That is absolutely the Oklahoma mentality. Nor, neither police nor school officials have said what led to the fight, but Benedict's family says there had been harassment because of the teen's non-binary identity. While at Owasso High School, Nex was attacked and assaulted in a bathroom by a group of other students, the family said Wednesday in a statement released by their attorney. A day later, the Benedict's beautiful child lost their life. Police Lieutenant Nick Boatman said detectives are interviewing staff and students in the school to learn more about what happened. Benedict was able to walk out of the bathroom after February 7th fight. Now, that is actually also not true. From another multiple other reports is they had to be assisted out of the bathroom. They had to be assisted out. They weren't 
able to walk on their own. So this thing was, you know, th- th- this idea that the police chief was saying, well, they were able to walk out of the bathroom. No, actually, there were multiple reports that they weren't able to walk out of the bathroom, that they actually had to have assistance to get to the front office. Um, they were taken to the hospital by their family. The family says they were called by the school, not be told your child had been attacked, but by, to be told your child is now suspended. You need to come pick them up. That That is literally what the school apparently told them about what had happened. The next day, uh, he was taken... February seventh flight. They, they were taken to the hospital by their family. They were sent home that night. The next day, paramedics were dispatched to the home for a medical emergency that took Benedict to a hospital emergency room where they died later that day. Police said next Benedict's mother, Sue Benedict, told the Independent the teen suffered bruises all over their face and eyes after they and a transgender student got into a fight in a school restroom with three older girls. I don't know how bad it had gotten, Sue Benedict told the outlet. Malia Pila, uh, Malia Pila, next Benedict's sister, described her sibling as a wonderful child that impacted us in ways that are difficult to truly articulate in their importance. We are deeply, deeply sad about their passing. She wrote in a text message Wednesday to the Associated Press. Sue Benedict said the statement on a GoFundMe page helped set up uh, cover funeral expenses that the family was still learning to use the teen's preferred name and pronouns. Please do not judge us as next was judged. Please do not bully us for our ignorance on the subject. She wrote, next gave us that respect. We're sorry in our grief that we've overlooked them. Boatman said investigators will forward the results of that probe to the local district attorney to determine what, if any, charges should be filed. But once again, the police have already said, well, it wasn't the attack. When they don't know what the cause of death is. That's your first clue. This police department is looking to bury this these charges. Uh, when asked uh, when asked on point if the students involved in the fight could be charged with a hate crime, Boatman said all cri- char- crimes and charges will be on the table. School officials in Owasso, a suburb about 13 miles northeast of Tulsa, said in a statement of physical altercation occurred in the restroom that students were in the restroom for less than two minutes before the fight was broken up by another student and a staff member. I want to talk about that for a second. So... Two minutes? You could have had these three older girls out there kicking necks in the head for two minutes and you have to ask yourself the question of whether necks died of the attack? Two minutes. For two minutes... These three kids, these three girls, violently attacked these other two students for two minutes. That, yeah, yeah, next died of the the fight. I don't know how, I'm going to guess the hospital as well might be, hey, come on, could you say it was something else? Because obviously they're going to be under question of why you released Nex if there was serious brain damage. 
And if they're kicking and punching and stomping on someone for two minutes, they're lucky that individual was even alive at that point. And once again, notice how they said the school, well, they were able to walk on their own. No, apparently multiple reports are next had to be helped to the office because they couldn't walk that on their own. Police, by the way, were not even notified of the altercation until the students arrived at the hospital and that report was taken at that time. Oklahoma's Republican-led legislature has passed several new laws targeting transgender and non-barrier people in recent years, including bills that prohibit children from receiving gender-affirming medical care and prohibiting the use of non-binary gender markers on birth certificates. Governor Kevin Stitt has also signed bills that prohibit transgender girls and women from playing on female sports teams and prevented transgender children from using school bathrooms that correspond with their gender identity. Stitt's office released a statement. <laughs> yeah, right. On behalf of the governor and his wife, Sarah, Sarah and I are saddened to learn the death of Nex Benedict and our hearts go out to Nex's family lying and the Owasso community. He said the death of any child in Oklahoma school is a tragedy. The bullies must be held accountable. Well, nice job, Governor. You created this mess. You did this. You did. So don't sit there and all of a sudden, wow, what a tragedy. You did everything in your power. You might as well, Governor, you might as well been in that bathroom telling the girls where to hit and punch and kick next. Please. Among the many anti-trans bills being considered this, this year's Oklahoma are measures to ban gender-affirming care for adults, prohibit school employees from using students' preferred pronouns if they don't correspond with sex assigned at birth, and prohibit state laws or executive orders that recognize any gender besides male and female. Oklahoma's superintendent of public schools and Satan walking the earth himself, Ryan Walters, has also embraced anti-trans policies and faced partisan blowback after he appointed a right-wing social media influencer from New York known for posting anti-trans rhetoric on a state library panel. One of uh, Chaya Rachik's uh, posts on her libs of TikTok account in the X platform, formerly known as Twitter last year, showing an edited video, video circular uh, critical of a public school librarian in Tulsa led to several consecutive days of bomb threats to the school and the district. In a statement Wednesday, Walters said he mourned the loss of a Swago student and they would pray for God's comfort for them and the entire Owasso community. Shut up, you massive jackass. Now, I want to make sure you see that cab coming down the street and the door is wide open here. I get it. And I said this yesterday. I get it. I'm not exactly happy with Biden administration policy on Palestine. Nope, absolutely. Disagree with it. I think Israel is going too far at this point. They have, obviously, they absolutely had the right to strike back against Hamas. But what they're doing there seems to be something truly horrible at this point. They've gotten their, their pound of flesh a few thousand, you know, a few hundred times over at this point. And us sitting back and watching as the Palestinians, who are not necessarily Hamas, are driven into a small corner enclave of that area of the Gaza Strip and basically bombed from far, that's that we need to stop this. Now, once again, I personally am against what Joe Biden is doing, Palestine. I don't think I think we've gone too far at this point. 
Yesterday, I pointed out there are Republicans who have said, line up every Palestinian and shoot them. That's what they're saying. So if you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't like Joe Biden because of how the Palestinians are being treated, you do realize what the other option is in this election. And don't talk about what you wish could happen. This is the election. Biden, Trump, that's it. I get it. You are like me and you're disappointed, especially if you're someone from the Muslim faith and you you are looking at what's going on over there. I can easily understand what's going on. Look at these two stories. Look at this. They're trying to install a religious theocracy in this country where you might be the next, your kid might be the next kid in an Oklahoma City bathroom beaten to death. Whether you're Muslim or Jewish or gay or black or Native American or Hispanic, you may be the next person who has to grieve because of this theocracy. Understand, I get it, I'm mad too, but understand we are dealing with some serious, serious consequences if that godforsaken orange turd wins another term in the White House. Please. I promised I'd lighten it up. Mike Lindell and Dino Winter, we'll talk about that when we come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Thanks for being with us. In Chicago, it is going to be my absolute privilege to introduce you to Dina Winter, who could possibly be the greatest journalist in America right now. I am dead serious. She is fantastic. I know I, I know you don't like me saying that, but you're fantastic. Uh, she, she writes out of the Minnesota Reformer, and she has one of my favorite subjects. She has a byline on this one. Judge orders Mike Lindell to pay $5 million to California cyber expert. Lindell says he'll appeal. Dina's got enough to join us to talk about this. Hi, Dina. Hello. Hello. Uh, you're too kind, that's for sure. Well, no, you are fantastic. You are. Okay, so this is the long-running story here. This this goes back to his cyber symposium back in 2021, right? Yeah. Remember when he, you know, challenged anyone that could disprove his theories? Um, they could come to South Dakota and... And try to prove him wrong. Yeah, he had he had some sort of file with a bunch of ones and zeros on it, and he said, "This is the em- empirical proof that there was voter fraud." He challenged anyone to do it, and uh, apparently, some guy who was a Republican said, "Sure, I'll take a look at it." And he came back and said, "This is make. There's nothing here. This is just a bunch of ones and zeros." Well, yeah, I mean, this guy Bob Ziedman. I'm not sure if it's Ziedman Ziedman. But anyway, this guy who lives out in California, who's like, he's no slacker. I mean, he he's uh, created the field of software forensics, I guess. And he's programmed computers for like 50 years, founded several successful Silicon Valley firms. I don't know if he's a Republican. I guess I don't remember if he said, but he did tell me, you know, he, before he went, he wanted Lindell to be right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, which sort of was surprising to me, a smart guy like that. I don't know, but um, you know, he went out and took him up on the challenge, and um, it 
it wasn't easy by any means, but eventually, and I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm just, I would be a joke trying to do that. But um, he basically said that he figured out that you could convert this document and and it it basically was the the data that Lindell gave the people to look at was transformed from a word document full of gibberish. <laughs> so uh, it's all very confusing to me. But he, you know, he 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 explains it in great deal in detail in a in a story I wrote back a few months ago. But um, so he wrote up his report and gave it to Lindell and. And then uh, with the contest rules said this arbitration panel could, you know, work out any disputes. And they took it to that. And because Lindell didn't, didn't agree and the panel agreed with this guy, the, the computer whiz. And, and then Lindell didn't pay up. So then the computer whiz took him to court. And yesterday the judge, federal judge ordered, you know, he said the panel was acting within its authority and ordered Lindell to pay up. But of course, when I called Lindell, he was like just livid and he <laughs> said he will <laughs> he will appeal. Oh. And he said many other things. But <laughs> <laughs> did he? Oh I would love well, I will I will respect your journalistic integrity, but boy, publish a book at some point. All right. So <laughs> The, uh, okay, you know, th- we know what the inevitable is here. I mean, he, he was dumb enough to take n- data that he could not himself, he never validated himself before he put it out there, made a contest, someone took him up, he lost, arbitrary panel, now a judge has. It's not, the Supreme Court's not going to step in on this guy's behalf. This is pretty much, you know, he's going to have to pay this. Is this a case, considering the, the lawsuits against the Dominion and Symantec, these these voting companies and how they, they've come down and they've gone after Fox News and they're going after Mike Lindell for a large amount of money. Is this a case where he doesn't currently have the money to pay the $5 million or is it just out, out of principle? Do you know? I doubt. I, I mean, I don't really know for sure. But because he, sometimes I think he's just trying to make it sound like he's broke. And, you know, and then other times he says, you know what I mean? It's, uh, he says contradictory things on this. Mm. But I don't think he does because he's... a he was in arrears on these, his legal bills for these other lawyers who were representing him in uh, some of those other cases with Smartmatic and Dominion. Uh, you remember when they asked to be dro- to drop him as a client because he wasn't paying his legal bills. Yeah. So I would say, you know, they said he owed him millions of dollars in fees. So I don't think he's got the money, and I'm. But he told me he would appeal. But you know these. One of the lawyers that was representing him in this case is the guy who asked to be dropped, asked to drop him mm-hmm. in that other case. So I was surprised he represented him in this case. So, <laughs> but I emailed him asking him why, and he has never responded. So. <laughs> the oh. it should be noted that there is a down, a very big downside to this outside of Mike Lindell's personal downside. But you know he does have a company in Minnesota. Uh, the My Pillow Company, and it makes there are a lot of people who are employed by this. And between this and the voting companies, I you know there's a lot of people that are speculating that this could end up wiping out everything there, and that is kind of sad for a lot of people that do get that, that do work for him. I yeah, I mean uh, you know when I went and did a story about him a few months ago, I went out there and yeah, a lot of people working out there, 
and uh, I don't think it seems like maybe fewer than at one point. But yeah, I think that's very much seems like it's a it's a possibility. I'd, I mean, this one was filed against Lindell Management, but so I don't know if, if there's a way to I don't you know I I don't think there's a way to keep it all separate. But yeah, I think the card the House of Cards has fallen. Uh, Dina, excellent work here. Uh, I'm presuming there will be a, an appeal and a follow-up and we'll have you back for that as well. Uh, thank you very much. And once again, I want to encourage everyone, go to the Minnesota Reformer and read Dina Winter's, uh, uh, writing there. She is fantastic. Dina, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. You bet. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Dina Winter. And I am not joking when I say this, she might be the best journalist in America today. Hands down. She could be. She really is exceptional. I told Mike, Patrick, you remember this. Don't you remember this? When he started this, I said, if you're not telling the truth, just come on out and say, I'm sorry, I apologize and grovel, right? That's pretty much what you said is just, you know, if if, if you just stop and just say, we're done, it's not true, I made it up, I'm sorry, it would... It probably would have gone away. It probably would have gone away. And he hasn't done that. He hasn't done that. Chicago, have a good one. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Hour 2, and Rick Smith up next. Hour 2 of the show here on your Thursday. Good to have you with us, Matt and Patrick here. Patrick, uh, a story, just to piggyback on what we had Dina Winter talking on with Lindell last hour. This is him on uh, apparently Bannon's podcast. We're not able to pay... I can't borrow money to pay these attorneys, Lindell told CBS News. My pillow can't pay because of what happened. I have $10,000 to my name. That's, that's, that, well, that's just so sad. That's it's so upsetting. We got to make my pillows more fluffy and maybe people will start buying them again. Two points. One, don't ever do an in, 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 you know, kind of a voice again. That really was wow. I mean, that. <laughs> I mean, he's hard to listen to as it is. I don't know how my impression could have been worse. <laughs> Dude, uh, he's not going to be able to get those, those Hardy's biscuits. Those Hardy's biscuits are delicious. I mean, let's just be honest, man. $10,000, you know, you better start stockpiling. That's all I got to say there. Uh, one quick re- other reminder here. Uh, it is Listener Appreciation Month here on AM 950, which means... We are going to be giving away a gift certificate to Great Wall Restaurant later on this hour. $25 gift card giving away later on this hour. Listen for your chance to call in on that. Speaking of calling on in, Rick Smith is kind enough to join us. The Rick Smith Show, 8 p.m. weeknights here on AM 950. He's kind enough today to join us to talk about the latest in union news in regards to this election, which is infuriating. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get his take on it. Hey, Rick, how are you, my friend? Matt, how are you, brother? I'm doing okay, Matt. <laughs> well, let me ask you: Did you hear Patrick's impression of Mike Lindell? I did. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm with both of you on this. Don't do the impression again. But you really can't screw up uh, a Mike Lindell impression. It's just bad. And, and here's the thing: I, I kind of feel sorry for the my lumpy pillow guy <laughs> because he bought in. He really bought in, and he's going to be another one in a long line of Trumpites who are going to be broke, uh, go to jail, lose their livelihoods, all because, well, they picked a con man as someone to follow. So am I surprised? No. Am I kind of happy that this is happening to him? 
kind of in yeah. a way. It's not. It's not the worst thing. I. You know. I. I. We. We were telling him back in 2021. Just apologize. Grovel. They might let you go. He never did, and he's just as belligerent about this issue as ever. But so, Patrick, I'm, the good, thing I'm here, sorry. the good thing, Matt, is you know I'm I'm on a list of all the you know, the talk show hosts around the country, like you are as well, uh, and I know that the right wing talk show hosts are putting together kind of a a charity ball uh, to to kind of raise help help him raise money. That's in the works. I'm, I'm getting the emails of of how they're going to roll it out, and it, it's it is quite comical because uh, you know what they do understand is how to fleece their flock. Oh, yeah. And they do that really, really well. I mean, look at Trump and his coming out with those, whatever those things that he was holding that I guess we're supposed to put on our feet for 400 bucks a pair. That supposedly this is his outreach to the black community. Because, of course, when I think, you know, the black community, I think tennis shoes. <laughs> of course. Uh, by the way, we'll have to let us know which Hardys they're having that uh, Mike Lindell ball at. Okay, because <laughs> I'll get a monster burger and grab a front row seat. How about that? <laughs> I, I, look, we're talking about grabbing a front row seat right now. You could go down to CPAC because uh, Crazy oh. Pack is going on, and there's literally nobody there. Yeah. Every time I, I check in, nobody. But if you listen to what they're saying. It's it really is crazy town that the the, the Republican mouthpiece that Jack Posobiec, yeah, uh, he started off his spiel with, "I just want to say welcome to the end of democracy." These are his exact words. We're here to overthrow it completely. We didn't get all the way there on January sixth, but we will endeavor to get rid of it and replace it with this right here. And you go this right here. You mean where nobody's at? No, yeah. that's not quite how democracy works, Jack. But this is the guy who, you know, look, tried to make a big deal when we pulled out of Afghanistan about the dogs. Uh, he made, made a huge deal about who, who's going to get the dogs. Crazy guy. But, you know, but he's not even the craziest one. I mean, look at this Charlie Kirk. Uh, he wants to bring executions. He wants your kids to be forced to watch executions of Trump's political opponents. Yeah, yeah this is the world we're heading towards. But we're going to talk about my pillow guy yeah, and yeah. we're going to talk about you know trump's tennis shoes or whatever well, those god-awful gaudy looking things are but here's the thing and this is what we know this is how trump's going to pay his fines uh, this is how he's going to pay his bills he's yeah. going to he's going to get the rnc to buy all of his crappy tennis shoes that's well, how he's going to pay indeed well and we talked about as well last hour alabama where the in vitro fertilization the frozen embryos are human being oklahoma city where a uh, a non-binary a person was basically beaten to death in a bathroom and everyone's shrugging their shoulders. You know, it's it's that's what they want to put everywhere, which we see all this, which brings me to why I called you up and I'm having you on. The Teamsters. They gave the maximum donation they could to the RNC. I hope you like sneakers. Uh, and they they basically did this. Their argument is... Well, we donate to you know all people, but it seems like a lot of people in the Teamsters are really upset about this donation. Yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah. Uh, right when you know, right when Sean O'Brien, the president of the Teamsters, made the pilgrimage down to Magalago, uh, we I was here on this program talking yeah. about it. Said it was it was a horrible thing to do. It was stupid. You're platforming someone who we know what his labor record is bad, uh, but it got it gets worse the more you dig into this. Okay, fine. They made that pilgrimage down to Magalago. Then we find out 10 days later, they make this $45,000 donation. 
Nice little quid pro quo. Hey, you come, platform us, give us a little bit of money. Nice con. Look, it goes to my point that Donald Trump is the greatest con man of all time. Uh, but then you get the Teamsters to bring him to the to the Teamsters headquarters and then allow him to do a press conference in front of the Teamsters logo, making it look like, well, it's a possibility I could get endorsed. And it, it kind of is, I believe. Mm -hmm. But putting putting the union, you know, in with the same Trump kind of label and brand was a bad idea, which is why now you've got all these truck drivers who, you know, these five or six truckers for Trump going, we're not going to New York, you know, say, well, the Teamsters are with us. No, no, this Teamsters not. This Teamster will happily get in a truck and drive to New York. I did it for years. Um, but this is where we are in this world. Mm -hmm. and, and I got to wonder, you know, what it is that that is going on. Now, it gets even worse. Uh, when O'Brien became president, when he took over, there was um, Massacre Tuesday. Uh, they came in and, and you know, fired a bunch of people, wiped them out, sent them emails at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday, said, hey, you're all fired. Mm. Some of them filed a lawsuit for wrong for termination, you know, for a bunch of reasons. Who do they grab as one of the attorneys to defend the the? International Brotherhood of Teamsters, none other than a Trump attorney from Peabody Nixon, a guy named Brian Kelly. Mm. So you go, gee, how much deeper can this get into Trump world? And I don't know. Uh, at first, when someone asked me about it, you go, hey, do you think they could endorse? I go, possible, but I doubt it. Now I'm I'm throwing the, the coin up in the air going 50-50 at this point. What is the, the the Teamster makeup here? I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I've talked to like the Carpenters Union in the past, and he says, you know, hey, I I understand who's you know pro union as far as the two political parties, but I've got a lot of members who are definitely in the Trump camp. So the question is, is the Teamsters. I mean, you see Biden walking the line. I mean, it's clear he's pro union. How much of a percentage would you guess of the Teamsters is pro Trump? Well, the numbers that I keep getting thrown back at me is 45%. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, depending on where you are, like where I live, the local that I, I'm a member of, it's it's considerably higher than that. Um, but here's the thing. This is this is an example of the unions have done such a good job of, of making their members whole. They get good wages, excellent health care benefits, retirement security, job security. These are people who feel emboldened and empowered. And the sad reality is they don't think that, you know, by Trump destroying uh, labor's ability to organize, that it will affect them at all. And it, I think it's a, it's a problem of not educating those members on what, what could be coming their way, especially in my industry, the, the LTL trucking industry, where when I started in this industry back in the 80s, it was 85% unionized. Today, it's down to about 10, maybe 12%. Uh, where this job was the gold standard of working class jobs, it's now just a good job. This is because, well, the unions have been uh, assaulted, and I keep coming back to it's the Republicans who were all out on the assault. I say all the time, Republicans hate working people. Look at what they do. But Democrats haven't always been great friends either and haven't, when they had the moment to make things better, haven't done it. And this is where, you know, with Biden, you know, walking the picket line and some of the, the executive orders and the people that he's put at the National Labor Relations Board and at the Department of Labor, these have been great things. But Democrats haven't been able to get that legislation passed that, that 
like the National Labor Relations Act. Mm-hmm. And right now, what you've got, you've got the Amazons, you got the Trader Joe's, you got these big companies now pushing a legal theory that the National Labor Relations Act is unconstitutional. So now think about when this gets to the Trump Supreme Court, who want to take us back to the days of Lochner, where if you're hungry enough and desperate enough to work in poverty conditions for for desperation wages, that's your liberty, Matt. That's your right, your freedom. Mm-hmm. They want to go back to this. And so I have no doubt that they're going to they're going to rocket this to the Supreme Court and the 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 Roberts Gorsuch Alito Thomas um Coney Barrett Kavanaugh court will be more than happy to overturn it and then you will see chaos and by the way it's it, not a coincidence that these companies started they try to stop the unions coming into their shops they couldn't stop it so now they're just basically trying to kill the regulation from the top down and so that doesn't make that doesn't surprise me at all you we have multiple examples in many places nationwide of republican employment employer policy how how what happens after republicans get in there kill the unions job that the, the pays plummets benefits plummet health care plummets we have this over and over again there seems to be a mentality that i sometimes am stunned by that the amount of people that can see the people walking into the plank and say, well, let me go try that myself. I'm sure it's not going to affect me. And yet they just don't seem to, as you say, wrap their head around the fact that they there is not a single case where the Republicans have made a union better. Not one. There's tons of cases where they made them horrible. And it's not even the union work. It's work in general. Uh, the reality is, is union density has been declining for the last 40 years, not because people don't want to join unions and get better wages, hours and conditions. It's because the pendulum has swung to the side of an employer. Uh, the employers have in this day and age, Matt, and you know this, if you're an employer and you don't break the law by firing people or harassing and intimidating people, it's almost it's almost malpractice. Because the laws are so pathetically weak, the fines are so pathetically weak that it's, it makes no sense not to break the law. And this is where, again, coming back to our legislative branch, doing their job and putting some teeth, which is what the Employee Free Choice Act was supposed to do, which is what the PRO Act will do if we ever get it passed, to make sure that people are, are sitting at the table negotiating in good faith. And this helps everybody, not just union workers, but all workers. When wages go up for union workers, and the, the studies are conclusive, and, and we've got decades of proof of this. When union wages go up, non-union wages go up. Look at the auto industry. The UAW won a great contract. Immediately, what'd you hear? Volkswagen's raising wages. Nissan's raising wages. They're all going to, oh, Tesla's raising wages. Because they don't want their workers to go, hey, how do I get some of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Smith joining us, 8 p.m. weeknights right here on AM 950. Rick, the one of the police unions, once again, if I'm going to... Yeah, there's a logic problem that just escapes me here. The, the, Donald Trump had police officers beaten at the U.S. Capitol. Um, the Republican policy of guns everywhere is leading to more and more police every single day coming under gunfire, including here in Minneapolis, where in the suburb we had two officers and a first responder get killed by an assault weapon last Saturday, uh, Sunday morning. This is the, the guns everywhere is definitely a threat to the, to the police officers. The fact that they, they basically say beat a cop if it's, as long as it's politically beneficial for them. And yet here are the police department union defending Trump once again. 
I, I have no, I have, I have no, no defense for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is, it, it, it speaks for itself, Matt. I mean, the reality is, is um, this is who, who sadly they are. And, you know, some of the things that I've known over the years, um, you know, maybe, maybe we don't allow police unions uh, to, to exist on their own. Maybe we allow them to be part of, of other unions. AFSME represents police officers. The Teamsters represent police officers. Uh, and by maybe having them as part of the overall union, maybe some of the militancy uh, of that they that as police unions that they they pursue, maybe some of that that calms down. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. Now, I'm not one of the people who say that we should just bar them from joining unions. I think every working person should have the right to bargain for wages, hours and working conditions. And police officers should have that ability to, to talk about their working conditions because uh, their working conditions equate to our living conditions. Yep. So we want to make sure that they're treated right so that they treat us right. But can I justify it? No, I, I, there's, there's, no, there's no justification there. It just seems that there is this element in American society now where they'll gladly take a lot less pay, no benefits, no retirement, no job security, uh, to be abused by your employer as long as one or two social issues are in return generated and they get the feeling like their 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 enemies are being punished. That's what it feels like. And it's like, you know, you guys, you get you you can't sit there and and scream that all this is going on and then complain about the price of groceries when, you know, the Republicans killed your union and you would be making twice as much money if you kept the unions around. You just but yet that seems to be that there just seems to be this entity that says, I'll take less pay, I'll take less benefits, I'll take less health care as long as the Republicans go after my perceived enemy list. No, and that's 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 sadly not new. You know, we did a, a labor history tour a number of years back where we ended up on a plantation in Durham, North Carolina. And if you're ever in Durham, historic Stagville is well worth the opportunity to spend a day on a plantation and have them give you the tour. But the woman who gave us the tour said, look, you had the poor whites living on the other side of the fence in ramshacks, ramshack buildings, you know, you know, in desperate conditions, not having enough food to eat, you know, all down the, the line. And then you had the slaves who were living in these quarters, which for the time were good, solid quarters because those those slaves were investments. Uh, they wanted to take care of their investment. But the white people still thought that they had it better because, well, they weren't slaves. And you go, no, the reality is that the both of you should have seen your common interest because you were not the enemies of each other. The slave owner, that's the enemy of both of you because that's the guy who's keeping you all in poverty. And we haven't figured that out in hundreds of years. And I don't know that we're ever going to because you go back to the old Jay Gould quote, I can pay off the working class to murder the other half. They're not even paying anymore. We're doing it to ourselves. The I, I'll never forget the political ad, the political cartoon. It was Rupert Murdoch sitting with a plate of cookies, one guy on his right with one cookie and the other guy with no cookie. And he points to the guy with the cookie, say, see, that guy wants to get your cookie as he hoards all the cookies. It's exactly what it is. And, yeah. you know, we're we're fighting for scraps and we don't realize it. But unfortunately, because we've had too many people vote Republican for the last 20 years, we've gotten a situation where it's probably going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. 
No, and look, when you've got the Jack Posobiecs of the world saying, we didn't finish off democracy on January 6th, we're going to continue to do it. When you've got the Charlie Kirks of the, these are people who are well-funded, who have followers who are who are well-funded. These are people saying, we want to destroy democracy. We want to execute our political opponents. We want to do all the things that my grandparents' generation fought, bled, and died to fight against so that we wouldn't see here. And, you know, I see on, on social media every once in a while a sign of, you know, you know what would you have done when, the, you know, the rise of the, of the Nazis in Germany? Uh, well, if you ever wondered that, you're doing it now. Mm-hmm. And if we're not out now speaking out against these type of people and pushing back against Trump and his insanity, well, we're going we're gonna to get what we deserve. And that is a dictator who's hell-bent on revenge and retribution. We're going to get an economy that continues to enrich the well-to-do at the expense of everybody else except the very loyal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen Trump's, uh, the Heritage Foundation, uh, their Project 2025. It's all about patronage and loyalty. It's not about who can do good jobs, who knows anything. It's about who's going to kiss the ring and, well, you know. Well, and what he wants to purge the RNC as well. He wants to put loyalists in there, yeah. So, so absolutely, because he needs the money. That's yeah, going to be does. his personal. That's going to be his personal piggyback. Uh, what do you got coming up tonight on your show? Well, I spent a little time today at the uh, truck stop locally. Uh, we're about five hours, four and a half hours from New York City, so I wanted to spend a couple of minutes, you know, talking to truck drivers, going, "Hey, you boycott in New York City?" Found a lot of people going to New York City. Oddly enough, no boycotters though, uh, and yet you know the right wing media is telling me this is a huge movement. And look, I'm on the outskirts of, of New York, uh, looking. Hey, did you uh, did you turn your load in? Uh, are you turning around? Are you boycotting? Couldn't find anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, here's the other part of this. You've got these people who are, uh, you know, claiming these nine people. One guy who lives in Chicago, uh, claiming that they're they're not taking loads to New York City. Um, this is what they're angry about. That a, a, a billionaire con man who's filed bankruptcy m- multiple times, screwed over working people. You know uncountable numbers of times, uh, who's never done an honest day's labor in his life. That's who they're going to boycott and and not make money over. But, uh, you know, going into the city with all of the cash boxes, the, all of the, 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 the chicken coops, all of the bears, all of the, all of the, the, the congestion fee that's coming, you know, all of the traffic, all of the, just all of the stuff that you have to do, the low bridges, all of the stuff that you have to deal with in New York City, none of that upsets them. But a con man being found guilty of something that he admits he did, that's a bridge too far. Coming up tonight, and by the way, a reminder, right-wing media does know exactly what a huge movement is. All right, uh, Rick Smith. Rick Smith, 8 p.m. tonight, right here on AM 950. Rick, as always, an absolute freaking pleasure, my friend. You're more than welcome anytime, okay? Anytime, brother. Take care. Rick Smith, kind enough to join us today. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. Robert Burrell coming up in just a few minutes as well. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Reminder, coming up here in a little bit, we are going to be giving away a gift card to Great Wall Restaurant. $25 gift card coming up a little bit later on. Also, Robert Burrell talking about things. One thing I wanted to bring up here, this is, I want to give uh, the Soda Swede uh, on uh, Twitter credit for this because, reminder, we were talking about the Dodge County Sheriff, Scott Rose, who, reminder, as Republicans like to say, you Democrats make everything so political. 
vehicle, it's generally after a Republican has gone out and intentionally made something political. And 12 hours, 12 hours after two police officers and a first responder were gunned down in Burnsville, Sheriff Scott Rose from Dodge County went out there and basically, I can't take listening to Governor Walls, how important law enforcement is when he's done nothing to but berate and vilify our Minnesota cops for nearly four years now. 12 hours. Immediately using the death of cops to for a political point. Soda Sweet points out, uh, Sheriff Scott, your county received $430,094 in state aid for police and public safety. Paid out on 12-26-23. The state aid was proposed by, <clears throat> checks notes, Governor Tim Walz. That's right. And before you sit there and act as if, well, it was no big deal. Well, you basically weren't exactly the least amount of money the state gave on out. As a matter of fact, of all the counties, which you're the county sheriff for, which means most of the money is going to go to your department. He gave you the 39th most, uh, you know, 39, more than uh, 30, 38 other counties, more than 38 other counties. Dodge County got that much, $430,000, which went to help your department. You want, you don't want to, people to, to ask you about that, do they? Do you? You don't want people to ask about $430,000 the governor initiated to give to your county, primarily your county police department, as you sit there and abuse him. Well, why don't you just give us that money back? As a matter of fact, you know, if, if you don't want it, if you clearly cannot see the value of what Governor Walls has done for you, well then, Sheriff Scott Rose, it's time to give us, the taxpayers, that money back. You don't need Governor Walls, right? You just wanted to attack him saying he's not doing anything for you, so that $430,000 is going to be sitting in a pile somewhere in your office, right, jackass? Oh, it's not? It's going for things that you need? Oh, okay. Well, then maybe, just maybe, you should pull your head out from between your backside and basically realize using the death of two officers and a first responder to personally attack the governor when you yourself have benefited from the benevolence and kindness of Governor Tim Walls in your office directly, maybe you should just shut up. That's some good advice for you, Dodge County Sheriff Scott Rose. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. Robert Burrell up next. I'm a hog for you, baby. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. It is my absolute privilege and pleasure and delight to welcome back to the show robert brill comedian extraordinaire he is going to be on the leap day this is an easy one to remember on the 29th a week from today he'll be at the 318 cafe in excelsior at 8 p.m tickets are available i'll put the link out a little bit later on robert how are you my friend i'm doing great how are you matt i'm doing well where you've you've been yeah have you done many shows out outside of the state lately on in other big cities uh yeah almost exclusively uh i was where have i been i was in north carolina two or three weekends ago there's a club called the idiot box there so i was in north carolina um 
Calgary. I was up in Canada, Cowtown, uh, doing a week at the Comedy Cave. How did that go up in Calgary? Oh, that went well. That, that they're they're not big fans of Justin Trudeau uh, in Calgary. That may come as a shock. So I <laughs> I did uh, a few blackface jokes that they really enjoyed. Wow, uh, up wow. there. So that yeah. <laughs> well, they they there it is. They they copied a little bit of MAGA in that in those in those two central provinces in Saskatchewan and Alberta. They they do kind of love that far right mentality there. Oh yeah. So I mean, I I since obviously I do have that political bent, it uh, didn't take too much to switch the targets from some of my more likelier ones to other ones that they would enjoy uh, even more. So yeah, I I kind of uh, ridiculed Trudeau a, a fair amount. And they definitely enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you because I I don't think I've ever asked you about hecklers. And, you know, well, you know me, you've, you've done comedy around me. I get giggly. So there's, there's no heckling coming from me. <laughs> I just laugh. Yeah. And I think most people are like me. They just kind of laugh. It always amazes me. Someone that goes to a comedy club and decides this is my job is to heckle. Where do, do you have a town that's always been bad for heckling? No, I think at least for me anyway, rarely is is heckling an issue. And I think uh, a lot of it has to do with my style and my my delivery because it is very like rat a tat tat rapid fire. And so I usually start out of the gate kind of I know a lot of comics like to start with crowd work. But I've seen that go wrong because, you know, if the crowd is drunk or they're ornery or whatever, and you're kind of giving them license to take over. And so I like to come out of the gate just kind of guns blazing with, um, you know, one joke after another. And then I kind of condition them to almost like self-police a little bit if there is some some kind of chatter. So rarely do I have uh, hecklers because I don't I don't do the rhetorical questions. Oh, yeah. what do you guys want to talk about? Who here? You know, it's I already know what I'm going to say. So unless unless I have to do crowd work or if I mean, there have been a few times for me, it's, it's more of an issue of and this happened uh, at running aces a few weeks ago for the late show. Like the entire left side of the room just wasn't into me. <laughs> and so it was like and it would, I, 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 I imagine they weren't seated that way. But like the right side of it was on board, was laughing. And uh, the left, ironically, it was the left uh, that let me down, and uh, and and so I eventually just kind of to uh, playfully tore into them a little bit. And it's weird because if you if you make fun of them for not laughing, then they they kind of enjoy it, or at least they did. And then mm-hmm. you know, but it was so. I, I guess my issue more is, is people just like staring blankly at me while I perform because it's like, <laughs> well, give me something, give me a response here. Like even if you. Even if you actively dislike me, I can. I, I don't like me half the time either. So we're going to find common ground if that's it. But just, you know, give me something here. It's not German art house, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, is English your second language? Is this, what's, like, just let me, is anyone mourning anything over here? Did you have a loved one die recently and you want to bring that energy to my show? Like, let me know where you're coming from. Uh, the Have you ever had one really bad heckler that you just said, okay, I'm putting you in your place right now. Uh, I'm trying to think. 
I mean, I've heard, what I I've, usually I've, get. I've, I've heard from some comedians that it's like, it depends on the comedian because there's a lot of comedians that rarely, if ever, like yourself, get a, a heckler. And I think it is, you just nailed it, is that the guys that kind of go in and know what they're going to talk about there. and it, But there are other comedians that they're almost anticipating hecklers. Oh, yeah. Like we, I mean, I don't know how much of the audience remembers, but I know, uh, you know, Mike Lester, one yep. of my best buddies in comedy, a real goofy dude. And Hill, I think, just because he dresses so outlandish and says such zany things that I think he kind of often invites the heckling a little bit. And then, like, no one's better at destroying a heckler than Mike because he's had so much practice at it. But, I, yeah, there are definitely comics that invite it. And I think I have to be careful, too, because... Uh, my responses usually tend to be tend to be pretty uh, sharp and cutting, and it. I've learned uh, that I can, depending on what I say, <laughs> I, I can go from from being like everyone's enjoying the show to being like the bad guy in an interaction <laughs> pretty quickly if I if I don't watch myself. So I try to to balance a, a, a decent amount of self deprecation in it, or if it's a heckler that clearly everyone is against and stuff. But um, I, it, it is a delicate line for me to walk in many ways just because with, with what I'm prepared to say and how I say it, I have a very good stranglehold on the um, audience's perception of me. Like, mm -hmm. this is what they're seeing. This is how they – and, you know, if it's just a drunk lady and I sit, you know – a zinger that Lester could probably get away with because he's goofy oh. and stuff. And then you have a guy that looks like me and it, it might be seen as punching down or whatever. And not to say I couldn't pull it off, yeah. but it, it's certainly, um, it's not anything I feel comfortable doing. So if anything, I'll try to just maybe talk over it or, or talk a little faster. And then in my experience, who's ever with the person will kind of self-police. You'd be like, shut up, we're missing what he's saying, and stuff like that. So, uh, is it, Was it Bill Burr? I was, I was listening to the Smartless podcast a few weeks ago, and they were talking to a comedian, and he was saying, Bill Burr apparently walked out into a stage, and I guess it was in Philly, and they hated him. Oh, yeah. And he basically tore the crowd apart for 20 minutes, and by the time of it, they were cheering for him. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's well, that's Philly, too. Yeah. But, yeah, that was one of those, like, going viral before – viral was anything but yeah i encourage anybody that hasn't done it to go on youtube and after buying tickets for my show uh, at the 318 cafe next thursday i encourage them to, in excelsior minnesota i encourage them to yeah youtube bilber philadelphia because it's this outdoor comedy show so it's already yeah. not great and it's in <laughs> philadelphia strike two and everybody is is drunk and, and horrible and so Bill Burr basically uh, craps all over the whole city, makes fun of their sports heroes. They have a statue made of Rocky. Like that's, you know, it's not even a real guy. Like that's your, your peak of athletic. And then he counts down the amount of time he has left. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I've, I've had a few, now that, you, now that you got me down that train of thought, I guess I have had a few drunken bar shows where it is kind of the wild west. And fortunately I've done enough terrible open mics and, and wild open mics where you just kind of have to, and it's a skill that, you know, you don't want to develop, but it's probably good to have it through the course of doing however many bad shows and stuff or whatever, where you're like, well, I'm not going to get any prepared material done mm -hmm. because everyone is drunk and has no attention span. So I'm just going to have to make fun of people 
the whole time. And then you just kind of try to stereotype the people, not racially, but like, okay, this is the town <laughs> drunk. Uh, this is the town floozy. This guy's corrupt. This guy. And then you just kind of have conversations and do callbacks and bounce around and, and stuff like that. And I, I, yeah, do whatever you can to get out of there. I think it's, it's, it's that, but isn't that really kind of the, the hurdle for comedians that if you are serious about it, you've got to go through that, that the, the Andy Dufresne sewer crawl of a show and get out on the yeah. other side of the pipe. And that if you can do that, guess what? You're going to be a successful comedian. You're going to have some success. If you can't, well, maybe you find a different job, really. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it also depends, too, because there are some comics that I, that I love and are super funny, but they're definitely more slower paced, more thoughtful, more. And it's just a matter of like, well, they're, they're just not going to do those shows. There won't be asses because there's so many different kinds of shows and stuff. But it's it's definitely... You know, you're going to get offered a lot more of the bar shows and, yeah. and stuff like that as well. But it's certainly, I mean, it, if anything, it's just another tool to have in the belt that allows you, if you do find yourself unexpectedly with a, a horrible drunken uh, show on your hands, that you're like, then, then I think you, like the Bill Burr thing is a perfect example of, you know what, if there's one or two people here that are actually paying attention and get comedy, and I'm getting them to laugh. I'm just going to play to them the whole time. And I'm going to make fun of the town. I'm going to make fun of everything in here. And because at that point, uh, and I don't know whether or not Bill Burr had gotten paid yet, but I know <laughs> there's been a few times where I've, I've gone there and it's been, it's the, 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 the vibe isn't good and everything. And I'm like, pay, if you want a good show, pay me now. Cause I'm not <laughs> running away, but pay me now. And, and because once you do get your money, you're like, okay, this is just all right. I'm th this is whatever. I you you're a bit more confident. And you're like, okay, well, this is because normally, um, unless they're just imbeciles, like comedy people get like this Philly. isn't ideal. <laughs> Philly. So rarely do yeah, they like, yeah, yeah. oh, how come you couldn't win over all these uh, troubled alcoholics with them? <laughs> the big buck hunter machine next to you and the dartboard right by the stage and that guy that the ambulance had to take you couldn't win over that crowd what's the matter with you uh, oh it is not an easy business man you guys you you got it you've got talent my friend uh do, are you currently wearing a pair of trump high top sneakers uh, I am not. No, I don't even think those are. I think I, like no one's going to get them for like a few more months, right? Well, there's I, there are at least four or five industrial health hazards associated with those sneakers that I think there's <laughs> not to be worn on the feet or touched by humans. There's going to be so many disclaimers in that packaging when it gets there. <laughs> Do they allow you to like leap over indictments in a single bound? Like, what is the benefit to the the Trump shoe? Like, don't, isn't it supposed to be athletes that come out with shoes? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, if it was a veto pen or something, sure. But like, are you supposed to wear them when you putt? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Wait, yeah, we should get a pair. Each one get a pair, and then go to a golf course. <laughs> go play around. Go yeah, yeah. God when, when you're on your way from one trial to your next trial, <laughs> do it in comfort. Do it in style. Oh, uh, God. I, it's nice that you're coming over on the uh, west side here, man. I am, yeah. I didn't even know where Excelsior was when I booked it. I'm like, what is this? What is this King Arthur magical land? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's just 
St. Louis Park, Hopkins, that over there. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I haven't been in that part of the uh, city in a long time. I used to live in SLP, but even I didn't go west. I always went east. So I actually went there yesterday and dropped off some flyers and stuff for the show. And it's a cute little town. Oh, Excelsior is great, man. And it's a, it's a good yeah. night out, too. And you're on Leap Day. Was that by design or just it happened on the calendar? I, that's, that's when they wanted to do it. And I was certainly free on a Thursday and it's a door (laughs) deal. So I would love for people to come. If this was a set fee, I probably wouldn't have even hit you up, Matt. I would have been like, I'm making my $200 and I am phoning this. Not that I ever phone in. Well, sometimes, but (laughs) uh, this is a door deal. So I need people to come to this bad boy. And, uh, I, yeah, if, uh, if you haven't, uh, I mean, I would imagine most people on, on your show of, uh, are a little familiar with my stuff, but if they're not, look me up and uh, come come check out the show. Get his comedy albums. Go over to iTunes. Yeah. Go get the comedy albums. They're fantastic. You will roll with that. You will also roll in Excelsior on Leap Day on the 29th, next Thursday, the 318 Cafe, 8 p.m., $20 at the door. I'll put the link out there so people can get out there. Uh, let's fill it up. Let's fill that place up for Robert. I would love that. Thank it, you. It yeah. would be fantastic if we could. Robert, as always, you're always welcome here, man. Uh, I look forward. Maybe I'll try to swing over there on Thursday, all right? Yeah, please do. It'll be fun to hang out. All right, man. You take care. Robert okay. Burrell, kind enough to join us. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Hey, guess what I've got right now? It's Listener Appreciation Month going on at AM 950. We have a $25 gift card to Great Wall Restaurant. Fantastic Szechuan, Peking, Cantonese cuisine, all sorts of great stuff located on France Avenue, just south of 45th. It's greatwallrestaurant.us, greatwallrestaurant.us, Great Wall Restaurant. I love this place. Uh, a $25 gift card for you if you're caller number 5, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205, caller number 5, you'll get the Great Wall gift card. Good luck on that part of Listener Appreciation Month here on AM 950. Um, it's time for the Smile File. Oh, that you know what that means. A Minnesota man who repeatedly attacked police officers during the U.S. Capitol riot, wielded a police baton as a weapon, and stole two riot shields, was sentenced Thursday to nearly three years in prison. Smile! Brian Mock, 44, helped mo- remove two police barricades before he assaulted four officers during the January 6, 2021 siege. He shoved one of the officers in the chest and knocked him to the ground, where other rioters kicked and hit him. Mock asked for leniency before Chief Judge James Bosberg sentencing him to two years and nine months in prison. I'm not someone who showed up in tactical gear with tasers and bear spray, he said. It was a moment I just got caught up in. Uh, But the judge said uh, Mock clearly came to Washington, D.C. expecting violence on January 6th. So it's hard to think that you came as just a bystander, Bosberg said. Bosberg convicted Mock on all 11 counts of his indictment, which included felony assault charges. After hearing testimony without a jury, Mock testified and chose to represent himself at his July 2023 trial. Good thinking. I'm sure that that, that, oh yes, good idea. Mock will get credit for the nearly one year that he spent in jail waiting trial, while the defendant said jail was a traumatic experience for him. 
George Bosberg noted that January 6th was a scarring experience for the officers whom Mock assaulted. Once again, well, I'm the real victim here, not the guy I pushed to the ground who got kicked. I'm the victim. God, just, they're so predictable. Mock, a landscaping company owner and former debt collector, was arrested on June 2021 in riot-related charges. He wasn't charged with entering the Capitol on January 6th. Prosecutors said Mock recruited his girlfriend and another friend to drive with him to Washington, D.C., and then President Donald Trump stopped the steel rally on January 6th before leaving. Mock told his oldest son, the Nimata there. Oh, that doesn't sound like you're just going there for fun. Mock was the focus of a New York Times article that explored his relationship with his oldest son. Prosecutors cited Mock's comments to the newspaper as evidence of his lack of remorse and refusal to accept responsibility for his crimes. The court cannot have any confidence that Mock would not engage in the exact same behavior in the future if he thought it was justified, if he thought, again, that it was necessary and righteous response to what he perceived as tyranny, prosecutors wrote in the court filing, that they that Mock, that Mock receive a sentence of nine years and one month in uh, nine years and one month in prison. That's what they were they wanted that. Defense attorney Michelle Peterson said Mock went to Washington because he believed there were irregularities in the 2020 presidential election that should be investigated and that he might die there, apparently. Uh, he is not an ideologue, but rather someone with firm beliefs that are on both sides of the political spectrum. <laughs> Prosecutor said Mock had a disturbing history of violence, including charges that he assaulted his ex-wife in 20, 2009. The woman later said she decided against pursuing the domestic violence charges because Mock blackmailed her and threatened her to get fired from her job, according to prosecutors. Oh, he sounds like a peach. But you need to... I'm an innocent guy. You can't put me in jail. <laughs> it's the only time these guys... I mean, is there... I'll tell you what. I got something coming up here. I'll tell this in a second. The FBI said Mock also had a 2010 conviction on a weapons charge. The conviction stems from a 2009 incident in which Mock allegedly pointed a gun at the heads of three children and threatened to shoot them during his oldest son's birthday party. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Mock refused to leave the Hez house after the SWAT team arrived. Instead, he barricaded himself inside with a gun, shaved his head, told the police they would have to get a warrant. Prosecutors wrote many hours later, the police negotiator finally coaxed the mock outside. After Mock's arrest on January 6th charges, his then-girlfriend um, joined him in Washington, obtained a restraining order against him because she felt scared of his behavior and potential behavior of the aftermath of their breakup. Mock cannot claim that violence has restricted to one time of his life or one set of relationships. The judge who convicted and sentenced Mock described some of his trial testimony as plain silly, including his claim that he was referring to singer Nancy Sinatra, not then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, when he posted on a Facebook message on January 1st, 2021, that, well, Nancy, I ain't the worst thing that's going to happen to you this week. Approximately, that ain't the worst thing that's going to happen to you this week. Approximately 1,300 people have been charged with federal crimes related to the Capitol attack. Smile file. Can I tell you this? The whole thing with the Nancy Sinatra is like, wait, let me tell you what really happened. There is nothing funnier than idiots that think they're clever. And if this guy would have probably thrown himself on the mercy of the court and said, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm sorry, probably wouldn't have been nearly as long. But instead, he tried to put out a defense, tried to apparently lie. Now he's convicted criminal, as he should be. But I, I, it's the it, they put out this bravado, uh, bravado and this arrogance and this, I'm clever, and then all of a sudden they're found guilty and it's, you can't be this 
Me to me. <laughs> sure we can. Uh, Patrick, who is our winner of the $25 gift card to Great uh, Wall? Congratulations, Sandy in Edina. Oh, Sandy, you, you probably know you're in Edina. You know where that's at. Oh, delicious. Enjoy that. Tomorrow, I got a gift certificate to Nightingale to give away. That's, once again, continuing with listener appreciation prizes. Listen to Robert Pilot, Native Roots Radio. That's coming up next hour. Tonight, make sure you're listening to Greg Bakken, Native Roots, uh, Native Roots Radio, uh, with Ghost Box Radio. There it is. Uh, Greg Bakken, Ghost Box Radio tonight in the 10 o'clock hour. Make sure you stay with us throughout the entire day. Have a good one. We are back on a Friday. Till then, see ya.